All right, welcome to this Sunday night special version of T's and TDs. We're hopping on. It's about 10.05 East Coast time, uh, right after the Niners just fell to the Rams. It will be the Cincinnati Bengals. And for the second consecutive year, a, uh, a home game, conceivably, uh, the Los Angeles Rams will be playing at home. Not actually a home game, but last year the Bucks played in Tampa. Long story short, we have Rams, Bengals. For now, I brought on uh, Jim Madalinski, Aaron Martin to, to talk about this day, react to this game, these games, and uh, we'll do a little bit of looking ahead at the end. So, um, Aaron, we'll start with you. Uh, before we dive in, just just your biggest thought from from this day. Uh, we, we got two more pretty good games. These playoffs have, have proven to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I think we said at the end of last week's pod that we were hopeful that we got even a fraction of what we got the previous week in the divisional round. And I think we did. I mean, I was going into this, particularly the early game, saying, man, if this game can just be kind of close within striking distance between the Bengals and the Chiefs, I'll be happy. And it more than lived up to it. Now, there's a lot of different factors that went into it that I'm sure we'll dig in. I mean, the the Bengals playing as well as they did in the fourth, in the third, second, excuse me, Bengals play as well as they did in the second half, as well as overtime. But even beyond that, not just Joe Burrow, the Bengals defense playing so well. Like I said, we'll get into that more. But man, that was so, so much fun to watch. And, you know, the Patrick Mahomes collapse did not have that on my bingo card. And that was something to watch. And then the game we just saw was awesome. Just such a, a fun back and forth, a, a much more of an old school kind of heavyweight battle than what we were uh, seeing earlier with with the two big quarterbacks of Mahomes and Burrow. But just another fun night of football, day of football. We are very, very lucky that we were getting this playoffs. I can say that for sure. Thousand percent. Jim Madalinski, welcome as well. Big picture thoughts from you before we dive in game by game. You know, it got off to such an inauspicious start. I think back to what we were talking about last week, not expecting good games to, you got the chiefs 21 to three at one point, And you're just thinking to yourself, here we go. A couple duds today. And, you know, let's just remember what we had last week and go from there. And then the Bengals just giving us something that football fans will remember for quite some time with that stretch. And then that late game lived up to the hype. I think everybody expected, or a lot of people expected it to be a close game and, Man, it was a good one. And it was in all of these. What I love about the playoffs this year is each game, though they all had similar type finishes, were unique in how they finished and the little moments here and there and who made plays, who didn't make plays. Cooper Cup being a superstar, Jimmy Garoppolo not being a superstar, just little things that I think people will take away that separates game by game. Absolutely. All right. I uh, I think we can we can start with what was the biggest shocker of the day, which would be the early game. We are very much in a uh, post uh, Rams Niners kind of mode, but uh, the Bengals uh, come back and win this one in overtime, 27, 24. Uh, I, I think the story of this game was a, was a tale of two halves. We all essentially sort of thought, myself included, that that Kansas City had this one pretty much in the bag. I texted a couple friends. I was ready to go for a walk in the second half. Uh, why did I need to watch this? I, it just really felt like Kansas City was incredibly in control. They, for the fourth consecutive year, were hosting an AFC championship game. They were dominating. Uh, Samaje Pirine uh, gets an incredible screen pass and and takes it all the way to the house they make it 21 to 10 the chiefs have a couple of minutes left to uh go down the field and i think the real story of this game essentially starts at the end of the first half so i'm kind of curious uh jim we'll go to you first um what's going through your mind uh with with the chiefs uh being up 21 to 10 and essentially being right on the door managing their timeouts managing everything 
pretty properly. And then all of a sudden, just what happened there in your mind? Uh, what what was that play called to Tyreek? I mean, what, there was, or was it Pringle or Hill? I it, it just it being tackled short. I guess just what's what's it, what's going through your mind in that moment? Did you think that that was a turning point in any way, shape or form, or was it still too early for you? So it's funny for me. So I missed a good chunk of the first half. I was out running around, but obviously on my phone checking, I had the game up. Don't tell my wife was watching highlights as they were, as they were playing out, watching it live on my phone. So I didn't really get to sit down and dive in until about halfway through the second quarter. So when the Bengals score to make it 21, 10, I think to myself, I'm sitting there with my brother-in-law and we're saying, all right, they got a chance here, but Kansas city gets the ball in the second half. So all of these things have to go right. And then that play happens at the end of the half. And I think gut reaction, we all go, what were they thinking? What were they doing? But it, trying to think like, I know Andy Reed tends to think he saw a chance to put a dagger in. Like if they score the touchdown there, they get the ball back. They score again. This thing is over at that point. And in his head, I also think he had a, he thought he had a safety net. We're moving the ball at will whatever. If we don't score here, we still get the ball in the second half and then we can come down and score again. Now, that's a lot of optimistic thinking that I'm not sure NFL coaches go that deep into, but Andy Reed seems like the guy that's smart enough to have those thoughts. And he saw blood in the water and I thought he thought he could finish it off. So then you're watching that second half and you go, all right, if this happens, they might have a chance. If this happens, they might have. And then all of it starts happening. You know, they get the stop on the first drive and then they don't score. So you think, Oh, that was their chance. And then they get another stop. And then it just snowballed from there. And it was, the Bengals defense deserves a ton of credit for how they adjusted and the, and the changes they made in the simplistic nature of it all, which was what worked early in the year in the NFL. Don't play man to man, send four guys, keep Mahomes bottled up and just see if he screws up. And he did. And that was, I think an, a genius adjustment at halftime by the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati that, that made the difference in the entire game. Aaron, anything to add to that, just in terms of how that half ended, and and uh, we'll we'll dive into a little bit more about the the Bengals play and then Mahomes in the second half. I mean, or now's the time to do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Just your thoughts about the end of the half, and then kind of what what happened in the second half. Yeah, so I was watching the end of the half. Of course, like everybody, I'm saying, oh, a minute fifteen or a minute twenty, whatever it was, at the when after the Bengals scored when P Ryan had that screen pass. Thinking there's no way Mahomes isn't going to at least get three out of this. It's just way too much time for him. So when they didn't score, I kind of said to myself, okay, leaves the door open. But I understood the aggressiveness from Andy Reid right there. Because if you think about it, instead of kicking the field goal, you know, you, you go from what's the difference really between, okay, 14 points and 11 points. When you have Patrick Mahomes playing the way he was playing in the first half, I'm all for the aggressiveness. You stomp on the throat when you get the opportunity to. Didn't work out. I'm thinking they still got a double-digit lead, two scores. They're fine. As the second half played out, though, you started to see not the adjustments from the Bengals' defense, and those were were certainly big. And the biggest thing for me was, was that four-man rush, like Jim was saying. Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader, those guys getting to the quarterback – the Chiefs spent all that money on the offensive line in the offseason. The big bucks, they traded a lot of picks, too, to try to get that, that offensive line where it needed to be. And they failed them in the second half. 
And for me, even beyond that, I think this loss is squarely on Mahomes' shoulders because we give him tons and tons of credit for being the best player in football, and rightfully so because he is. But part of being the best player in football is that you don't melt down in the biggest moments. And I don't see any other way to look at this because he had that terrible interception on the tip pass to the, the defensive lineman. Okay, you know, one bad pass, you can you can get away with it. But you could tell that he was a mess from that, that rush. I mean, he was overthrowing guys. He was underthrowing guys that interception at the end of at the uh in the beginning of overtime was a terrible interception those sacks that he took when they were going all the way down to what looked like punching the game-winning touchdown and the only question was should the Bengals let them score or not Mahomes is holding the ball for five six seven eight seconds and you're going what are you doing throw it away do something just don't take a sack and he did it twice in two plays so I give the Bengals all the credit in the world. They deserve it. They won this game. That defense won this game. Joe Burrow played really well. They, the Bengals deserve the credit. But make no mistake about it. This was a, a Patrick Mahomes meltdown that got us to this point. Those are strong words. I was going to ask you, do you think that Mahomes lost it and the Chiefs lost it or the Bengals win it? And it sounds like you think the answer is kind of yes. To uh, me, the answer is the... yes to all of those. The, the, yes, the Bengals <laughs> won it. Yes, Patrick Mahomes lost it. I do. I agree with that. My only contention is, so those sacks on that last drive, part of me wonders if there was a direction there that said, don't throw the ball away, don't stop the clock. Because we're at a minute to go in that situation. They've got the field goal guaranteed. And I was, I was thinking that out loud in my head as I'm watching the game. You know, what's the strategy here? If he throws the ball away and then they end up kicking the field goal anyways, then Burrow's got 45 seconds instead of what ended up being none. So I don't know what he was being coached to do. I guess that would be something that you would need to ask Mahomes and Andy Reid was the strategy there. Whatever you do, don't stop the clock. If there's a throw there, if there's a touchdown there, make it happen, but don't just chuck the ball away. I, I don't know if that's the case, but that was one of the things that went through my head is, is that the strategy there to make sure there is no time left on the clock and we're either going to overtime or we're going to win the game. I and was just quick, quickly yeah, on that ahead. point. I, I just want to say, you know, I, I agree with that thought. I guess where I disagree with it is, you know, Mahomes dropped back 15, 20 yards before he took that sack. So even if that was the coaching point, it definitely wasn't let's go from a chip shot field goal to let's go to a 43 yard field goal or 44 yard field goal, you know, outside in, you know, cold Kansas city. I just think that was, it was part of just a baffling half of football plus with the overtime from him, because every drive I'm watching it going, what is this guy doing? Like he's playing, he's playing like Ryan Tannehill. Like we saw last week, just everything you're going, well, you can't do that in this situation is what Mahomes did for an entire two quarters, two and a half quarters of football. The interception in overtime was egregious. That was yeah, as bad really of a throw bad. you can make in a big spot when a punt keeps you potentially in the game. The the part that I keep coming back to just is that, you know, I the answer to the question or my answer to the question of what at the end of the first half was that I had zero concerns on the chiefs at all. I mean, even, even when the, even in the third quarter, I still thought, you know, they'll get it together. And to be honest, they've earned that right to have that reputation. I think chiefs fans even probably weren't necessarily worried. And I bet chiefs fans, and, and I have to think that Reed and Mahomes thought this at the end of regulation as well. It was like, ah, we'll punch it in for seven. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get this done. And, and Lord knows they've earned that right. I'm not, you know, you host four straight AFC championship games and you certainly uh, earn that. But I, I, it, 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 I, I'm wondering if it was just borderline hubris at that point where Mahomes 
you know, it, it, and it reminded me of, of sort of some of the things that the Bucks defensive line was able to do to him in the Super Bowl last year, where the guy's just running for his life. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, it, it, this is starting to, to get real that they may lose. And of course, um, they eventually did. So, but it is, it is so apparent. And, and I will look forward to reading a lot of people who know a lot more about football uh, than, than we do that not, you know, we, we can see all the, the, the frontline defensive pressure that the Bengals were getting in that game, but boy, oh boy, must that secondary have really been tying down, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hill and, and Hardman. And, you know, they, they, they clearly gave up some underneath stuff to Kelsey. I mean, that, that was pretty obvious. He was pretty open, I think in the middle of the field, uh, for a pretty good chunk of that game. But yeah, I mean, even, you know, there's a, I'm reading the ESPN article, Reed admitted to some errant play calling in the, uh, at the end of the first, but I, I haven't done a lot of reading about the end of regulation as well. Yeah. Kelsey 10, 10 catches for 95 yards. So clearly uh, the Bengals were willing to give some stuff up to him, but did a great job of protecting the outside and uh, honestly credit credit to them. I mean, I, I, this is exciting and, uh, and, and good for them. So yeah, that goes back to the numbers game. I mentioned in the adjustment they made, you're talking, if they rush four, that's seven guys that they have in coverage against max of four or five from Kansas city. I wish you could see some of the over top views. I wish they would show mm-hmm. those on some of the replays to see, like not only did they have a man on Hill, a man on Pringle man on, but they had protection with mm-hmm. different guys along the way. It was a clinic. I, I, I was very, I was so impressed by what I saw from the defense. And I was just going to say, too, the Bengals offense shouldn't be forgotten in this because as well as Joe Burrow played and he played very, very well, even that that interception, not a great throw, but there may have been some defensive holding on it. So I don't even hold that against him too much. But those Bengals receivers were just making tough catch after tough catch. T Higgins had a couple of great catches down the middle of the field. Uh, Jamar Chase obviously had that great touchdown catch on the on the back shoulder fade. It was just it just felt like a team that just knew what was on the line and they wanted it. They just seemed like they wanted it more than the chiefs did because when there was a big play to be made, they found a way to make it. Burrow had a couple of scrambles there where it looked like he was dead to rights in the backfield on the sack. And he just shakes off a couple of defenders and runs for a first down runs for eight yards, nine yards, 10 yards, little plays like that, that he did two or three times that just kept drives alive that allowed this comeback to happen. It was just such a, an impressive team effort. And I, I have not been on the Bengals bandwagon at all this playoffs. I kept waiting for this ride to come to an end. I, I was saying over and over again that I thought this was going to be a really, really good team moving forward, but this wasn't their year. I mean, I, I couldn't have been more wrong because this team is legit. They are real. They are playing as well as a team could play as one unit right now. And it's just, it's been so much fun to watch. And I don't know how, even as a Steeler fan, I don't know how you can't root for Joe Burrow. The guy is just awesome. He's so, so good. I, uh, I listened to the tape. Uh, it, it's only been a couple minutes since the, uh, since the end of the uh, Rams game. Uh, but Jim Madalinski um, indicated that he, 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 uh, was arguing the Cincy side because the quarterback wasn't going to shy away from the moment check. Uh, it's not necess- It's about the turnovers and the splash plays, not the points you give up, but the points that you create. Cincinnati Bengals defense, I think you could argue, did a pretty dang good job of of stopping uh, them at the end of the half, holding them to the field goal to keep the game alive, turning Mahomes over in overtime. So great work. And Madalinski also said the game high 20s or low 30s that the Bengals will make enough defensive plays to win the game. Jim Madalinski, 
Round of uh, podcast round of applause for you on all. You of earned that. that one, Jimbo. Even, <laughs> even a blind squirrel finds yeah. it every once in a while. Yeah. Love it. Even Love a blind it. squirrel correctly predicts the score. Well, uh, and to be fair, and and we give this on T's and TDs. Uh, Aaron Martin argued the the Niners plus three and a half, and for the first time in these playoffs, the uh, the the they there was a cover uh, of a losing team. Uh, so uh, the the three and a half. So Aaron, good work by you. Unfortunately, I did not listen to uh, your your full throated uh, defense of that, but you did indicate that you you thought that game would be. Close close as well uh, a little tougher to to pick out this uh, the narrative on this game relative to what we saw uh, in the first game today but I, I think you can really boil it down to the fact that the Rams uh, did what they had to do uh, they they scored 13 points in the fourth quarter to the Niners zero uh, some of the question marks that we had about Jimmy Garoppolo certainly came to fruition in this second half it sure looked like the Niners were in control they they were up uh, 17 to 7 at one point uh, if Jaquaski Tart uh, catches a, a potential interception in the fourth quarter, we're probably having a different conversation as well. So a very close game that probably could have gone either way, but the Rams edged this one out uh, 20 to 17. Aaron, I will uh, I will kick it to you first. You had an idea that the Rams might, uh, excuse me, that the, the Niners would keep this close despite the Rams being favored. We had very serious jokes about uh, parlaying the Niners cover with the Rams win, which had such a small margin for error, but Boy, did it happen. Um, Aaron, what, what specifically did you see in, in that game? And, and I, I have to imagine part of the answer here uh, include the name uh, Debo Samuel and, and, and Matthew Stafford. So, and Cooper Cup. I mean, gosh, uh, all those guys had, had outstanding days. So just big picture takeaways from, from that game specifically that just ended. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Cooper cup, I think should be, or should have been in the MVP conversation all along. And he showed why, I mean, he did have a, a pretty bad drop in there that could have been a touchdown in the first half. But other than that, I mean, he was making big catch after big catch. And I left this game saying, that's why you trade two first round picks for a guy with the talent of Matthew Stafford. He may have been unproven in terms of playing in big games, but he made some throws that simply there aren't a lot of players that can make it. Certainly not Jared Goff. He wasn't making some of those big throws, particularly at the end of the game. So that was kind of my big takeaway is that the Rams made that investment for a reason and clearly it worked. But in terms of this game being tight, you know, Kyle Shanahan knows how to use Debo Samuel. I would argue better than anybody else. I mean, I, I think that can be overused sometimes with systems, but that system is just built for a player like Debo, who's part of receiver, part of running back, uh, full-blown bulldog just finds a way to get yards and does it very, very efficiently and effectively. And, and I kind of went into this saying, this is going to be a close game because it's going to be a ball control game. The ran the Niners are going to find a way to keep running the ball and do it effectively. Now, Debo did it pretty effectively, but the rest of the team, I think, had 24 yards rushing, and they only had 20 carries for 50 yards as a team. And Garoppolo had to throw 30 times. You're not winning a playoff game with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing 30 times. And he even played relatively well. I actually thought until the last probably six and a half, seven minutes of the game, he, was, he wasn't doing anything to kill you. The, the middle of the field seemed to be pretty open. We were texting about that, about how they were doing a really, really good job. The Niners, that is, of attacking the Rams linebackers and attacking the middle of that Rams defense, because clearly there was, there was some weakness there in that mid-range 10 to 15-yard area on those pass plays. But I, I just was so impressed with the way the Rams seemingly flipped a switch. They are clearly the more talented team than the Niners. 
but they really seemed like they were sleepwalking again through about a quarter, quarter and a half. And then right at the end of the third quarter, they turned it on and man, they, they came out and played really, really well in the fourth quarter. And here we are. It was just an impressive game, a good showing by the Rams. You just have to wonder, are they good enough? Are they the team that's good enough to turn it on when they need to turn it on? Can they get away with that week after week? And in the biggest game of most of these players' lives, are they going to be able to get away with sleepwalking through a quarter, quarter and a half against somebody like Burrow? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that was just kind of the big, big takeaways I had watching that game. Jim, you uh, you were adamant. Uh, you've been been a Debo guy on this on this podcast. You said he deserved better. Uh, he got eleven touches today. Uh, that the touchdown uh, run after catch was absolutely incredible. Showed why he's an absolute stud. He also took a hit in this game and and still still got out one play, it. one play. I know. <laughs> wild. These guys are amazing. All of them. All of them. I mean, we um, just need yeah. to take a second to pour some out for Debo. I mean, he was, I love, you know, seeing him emotional on the sideline. It just shows you what, what these guys put into everything. And uh, it's, but yeah. it's been obvious that anybody that's listened to this, I haven't connected with a player individually quite like I have with Debo in a long time. I just, I love everything about the way he plays, how much he seems to care. And he showed it tonight. I mean, big games all through the playoffs. They were on the, they were playing for their lives the last eight weeks of the year. And he, showed up every single time and he's going to get paid and that's good for him. But man, he's just, he's a freak and it's fun to watch, but my heart breaks for Jaquaski Tart because I hate to say you can go back to a game, circle one play and say, there it is. And just point a finger right at somebody. But if he catches that ball, it's mm. that's it. I mean, that's, that's it. He's on the 40 up 10 fourth quarter. I mean, that's, that's the game. And, and, and I feel bad because it goes the other way too. Jalen Ramsey dropped a pick later in the game that would have easily sealed the game as well. That's why they play defense. I get it all of that. So I feel awful for him specifically as a human in that moment. Uh, But from that drop on Matthew Stafford showed why you trade two picks for Matthew Stafford. Like Aaron said, I mean, he was phenomenal the whole day. He had, people in his face, the throw he made on third down to Cooper cup. I sent it in our text group. It was just man in his face, his hand even hit a helmet on the way through. And it was just an absolute dime to seal the game. Um, he's as confident as he'll ever be. I said that after the, after the bucks game. And my takeaway from that is I don't know what I think moving forward, because both of these quarterbacks are two guys. I, I don't want to bet against right now. Mm. I um, it's funny. I, one of the uh, one of my biggest takeaways, just in kind of thinking about, I, I just like for whatever reason, now's the time I believe in the Niners, and I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I just they showed me a lot today. I mean that you know I know that that defensive line was was in the backfield in uh, Green Bay last week more than more than anything, and and clearly that secondary played pretty well. I think uh, you know against Aaron Rodgers, they, I, you know, you look at cup and you look at what Beckham did today and clearly the secondary had a little bit of a rougher day and, and let up some big plays, but uh, credit to Stafford for that. But, you know, looking at the Niners going forward, it's interesting. Garoppolo is not their quarterback. You know, will they take a step back next year with Trey Lance, even though it feels like uh, they have a lot of talent there, but we're not here to talk about the Niners going forward. I just, that, that team showed a lot. I, I just think, you know, for, for all the flack that, and, and they had that graphic in the fourth quarter, just the headlines, you know, talking, garbage about Shanahan and, and all that and and what that team 
needed to do to be able to manufacture wins. You know, I pointed out is, you know, is, was Zach Taylor, the best coach of the day. And Jim kind of, you corrected me and said, you know, Shanahan hasn't really done a lot of bad stuff. He's gotten a lot out of this team. So we'll be certainly interesting to see sort of how they build it going forward, especially since for all intents and purposes, you got to think Trey Lance is going to be their guy going forward. Um, yeah, Jim, I just, the, the Trey Lance point, I, don't, I know we don't want to get too far down that road, but I look at their future and I'm, I'm thrilled it, it, and mm. you know, I've got a little North Dakota guy in me. So <laughs> spending some time up there in the territory, but Trey Lance, uh, the options he brings to Kyle Shanahan's offense, mm. the, I just, I shudder to think ball control wise, what they'll be able to do if they really dive into that offense in the future. And if he can make, if he can prove to make two or three big throws a game, they're going to be dangerous and they're going to be really hard to beat with that defense. Yeah. Aaron, uh, any, any final thoughts on this game before we look forward? Well, just very quickly on that point too. You know, I just, I said to start off uh, the breakdown of this game, that's why you trade two first round picks to get Matthew Stafford. I think we saw that's why you trade two first round picks to get a guy with a potential of Trey Lance, because mm. what this offense can do with a competent quarterback and a quarterback that can run, I think is just, next level. So that's, I get that thought process. There was a lot of criticism for the Niners making that move, but I think it certainly makes sense given what we've seen up to this point. Yeah. That'll be a fun team. It'll just be fun. I, you know, you, you want to see him develop in a, in a way where, where Shanahan can do, you know, he's had, you know, he, he had the great success with, with RG three when he was offensive coordinator of the uh, Washington football team. Uh, and then fast forward to, you know, he, he goes to Atlanta and, and kind of has Matt Ryan who wasn't, super mobile and then same kind of thing with Garoppolo. So we'll definitely be interesting. Was he the coordinator when RG three was there? I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. Yeah. Was. So, so, uh, and, and, you know, made RG three a star. So, um, <clears throat> We'll have to double check that one, but I think that's right. Um, anyways, my mind uh, went to Jay this, Gruden, so I wasn't sure if that was no, 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 he was the, OC or the head coach. No, 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 because okay. Mike Shanahan was the coach and Kyle was his offensive coordinator for that first year. So, yeah, he was Kyle was the offensive coordinator when RG three had that breakout rookie year. Great, great radio. Okay. Um, no, <laughs> um, okay. Um, narrative wise, we, we will have a first time uh, winning quarterback. And we will have a potential first-time winning coach. So we've got we've got a lot of uh, inexperience. Uh, question of of, of what's going to happen. And you know, Zach Taylor gets hired uh, because he uh, once uh, shook Sean McVay's hand uh, was the narrative for why he uh, got that job back when McVay was such a, a hot head coaching uh, prospect. Uh, we've got Burrow, uh, second-year guy uh, versus. Matthew Stafford, who's uh, been around the block, but never had success like this. Uh, a lot of guys that are going to be playing in this game uh, for the first time, the, the most seasoned unit here is probably the Rams, uh, you know, defensive line, some of the leadership they have there, uh, defensive and offensive line that, that were there a couple of years ago. So uh, just any narratives that you're interested as we sort of begin the media frenzy. I was doing a quick Google search because I wanted to see, I was going to make my first bet of the, of the Super Bowl to say, what's the over under the number of times we see the team photo from the 2018 Rams that shows Zach Taylor as the quarterback's coach. And I wanted to go back to see if they overlapped again in any other spots and see how far they followed each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, the narrative for me is, is it's, it's absolutely going to be the quarterbacks. I think you've got Matthew Stafford, the, the, the career that is on the verge of potentially being Hall of Fame worthy, 
if you really start looking at numbers and knowing he has X amount of years left versus Joe Burrow and is Joe Burrow going to be the guy that challenges Mahomes for the next 10 years? Is it going to be Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Burrow, or is it going to be uh, Mahomes in a land of his own until somebody shows they can do it and actually win the Super Bowl? Uh, I hope personally, Pittsburgh guy, uh, I'd love to see, I think the, the Aaron Donald narrative, I think will pick up a bit as we get down the road with things that people want to talk to, uh, or talk about, he needs one. I, I just think he needs one. He's been so good for so long now, and he's got a lot of time left. I don't think he's in any danger of being done in the next handful of years, but, um, he needs one. And I, I think he's, he, this is probably one of the better chances he's going to get for the time being. So that those are the things that, that immediately popped in my brain. Aaron, narratives, talk to me. By the way, confirmed Kyle Shanahan was the coordinator of the 2012 Washington football team. We, I knew I wasn't wrong. Okay, Aaron, narratives. Well, Jim hit on the big ones. I definitely think it's the quarterbacks, the two head coaches. That'll be what everybody's talking about. Aaron Donald, uh, how he's going to uh, potentially and how that whole Rams defensive line is going to play against that uh, beat up and, and not great Bengals offensive line. Uh, but the one that I'm really interested in, this is kind of a low key narrative, but the, the battle of, of the two owners on the polar opposite end of things, you have Stan Kroenke who has spent, I think between his stadium and his lawsuit to get out of St. Louis somewhere in the range of $6 billion to get the Rams to LA and to this point. And you have Mike Brown, who's legendary for not even having a full scouting department because he's too cheap and for not paying free agents and for basically being the reason why the Bengals have been the Bengals for the last three decades. So you get, and basically his only claim to fame is that his dad was Paul Brown, legendary coach. So I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Like who's going to win there? The, the guy who's basically buying his way into everything or the guy who's taking every shortcut known to man for a multimillionaire. That is kind of a fun little narrative there. I, I just, I like this game. I like this game a lot. I think there's a lot to talk about. It's a lot of fun. I don't know if there's two quarterbacks or even two players right now that have the Q rating, which is TV talk for people like ability among people as Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford. I mean, Stafford's got the, the great narrative of, of playing in Detroit. Everything his wife went through beating brain cancer the way she did. I mean, that's going to be talked about a lot. So their family can get to this point in this achievement. As Jim was saying, I think a Super Bowl win probably gets Matthew Stafford into the Hall of Fame. And then you got Joe Burrow, the guy who's next, uh, the guy who has won everywhere he has been and does it more and more impressively as the years go on. I, I'm just, there's so much to talk about. There's so many good narratives, uh, whether it be quarterbacks, coaches, rich owners, uh, whole nine yards. Awesome. Well, we, uh, we will uh, finish up here. Uh, Jim, I know has, has done some looking. Uh, Aaron and I have not seen what a potential line is uh, right now. So Aaron, I ask you, uh, what do you think the line will be? So obviously Rams being in LA, I think certainly plays into it. I'm going to say it opens at Rams by four over the Bengals. That's an interesting take. Part of me, and remember, they set the line based on, on a little bit of what they think the public might do also. I want to totally uh, 
wimp out here and guess a straight pick them because I do think that money will flow egregiously on either side, but I am, I'm inclined to, to open up by saying Rams minus two and a half is my gut. Jim, have you looked this up? Would you like the live reveal? This, this live, is a great yes, moment. Of live course. Reveal. This is great. Great the podcast. Reveal. Uh, I don't know who I believe here, but Aaron Martin, you nailed it. It is Rams uh, minus really? four. Oh. Minus four. Nice. I so initially I was thinking three and a half, but I figured ah. after just the talent on that Rams team alone, Bengals kind of playing this the gutsy underdog the whole way. I kind of figured it'd be right in that three and a half, four of the range. All right. Do you want to double or nothing there, Kaplan, and go over under? What do you think the number is going to be? Uh, real quick on that, I. That Rams minus four screams to me like people public will jump on the the Bengals. I I absolutely think that number will go down. <clears throat> so uh, I, it would not surprise me if it ends up at two and a half. So I want that to be known. We have two weeks of of talk to do this. So just to be clear, you don't you don't win if it gets to two and a half. I'm, I know that. I'm just, that saying, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying I feel like it will end up at two and a half, which is what I at two and a half felt like the right number to me. So that's why uh, I wanted to say that over under. Oh, boy. Um, my gut is going to say this could be like uh Sort of similar to the Chiefs game. I, I would I would think it's like a uh, it's going to be like forty nine and a half. My my gut is is a little bit more of an offensive lean, but forty nine and a half. That's probably high, but forty nine and a half is my gut. Aaron, yeah, I, I was thinking somewhere in that range. I feel like Super Bowls tend to be a little higher because you have so much more action on the game than it would be in a normal regular season of playoff game. I'll say forty eight. People are going to listen to this and not believe us, but it, it is 49 and a half. <laughs> wow, there you go. I absolutely <laughs> promise I did not. I cannot. I'm so impressed. Listen, I live in Washington. I can't, I mean, I could check, I could check FanDuel and whatever, but I promise you, I absolutely have not in between the end of the game. Uh, well, let, let me, that, let so. me pull a David Kaplan. So I think by kickoff, <laughs> this number is going to go down to 48. Therefore I'll be right. <laughs> Fair criticism. Fair criticism. Um, just to wrap it up with uh, a couple of our our bets, we obviously uh, sort of were in. A, we didn't give out explicitly, but I absolutely thought both both home guy uh, teams would cover, and uh, clearly that went over two. Uh, we sort of agreed, I think, it, that that we thought that the Rams uh, Niners would be under, and that was something that we we sort of agreed on. So kind of a mixed bag on uh, on results today, but um, we don't tell you to follow us. We we generally generally tell you to fade us. So. Uh, um, no, um, any final thoughts before we, uh, we wrap up, uh, here, boys, we got about two minutes left to, uh, to, to give some final thoughts, any, anything as we wrap up, uh, I would just say playoff years don't like this. Don't come along very often. I mean, the last two weeks we got our money's worth. That's for sure. Whether you won or lost any cash, but, uh, it was, it was so much fun and, and, and looking forward, I think it's going to be. I think it's a great game. I think if you wanted me to lean right now, the talent on the Rams is so deep and they've got so much on both sides of the ball. And I think the NFC as a whole this year has been better as a whole across yeah. the board. Uh, that's just where I lean looking at games. So that's, that's where I would lean as of right now. Awesome. Aaron. 
Uh, just quick for me, a friend of the pod, Chris Whitley, has been betting my ear about the Bengals since early November <laughs> and was very quick to remind me today that he put a bet on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl, I think on November 3rd. So shout out to him for having undying loyalty for that team in Cincinnati. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I, I really excited for this matchup. I think it's going to be a great game, uh, leaning a little bit toward the Rams. But uh, I, I'm certainly not going to have a hard time betting against Joe Burrow because he's proved me wrong for the last three weeks in a row. Awesome. Boys, thank you so much. That will uh, conclude this football version of T's and TDs. We are going to release a golf episode on Wednesday night as we get ready for life at Pebble Beach, which will be a fun tournament. So thank you so much for listening in on T's and TDs. Our next football episode will be next week as we do a full-throated preview. Thanks so much and have a good week.